Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Tell it for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. Whoa, wait, this is, this is early in the week. This isn't Wednesday or Thursday. I just saw you a couple days ago. I know, I'm, I'm not used to seeing you this early in the week, Adam Luckett. It's a Monday, and we're talking ball. A busy Monday. Yeah, a very busy week. Just Sunday a, got a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, very crazy. Uh, thanks to Willie Taggart sucking. Um, Boy, was he bad. Did you watch that Miami Forest State game? No, nah, I Flipped it over a couple times. Maybe we saw six or seven plays of that game. Just enough to know it was bad. Right. Yeah. I saw that Florida State or Miami had like, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 tackles for loss, another f- five or six sacks, uh, a bunch of other oh, bad those, stuff. Florida those, State only put up like three yards, less than three yards per play, I think. The the tackle for loss stats were really bad. Mm-hmm. Like. Like, the kind that you rarely see. Uh, but it, we're not getting together out of in case of emergency. Essentially, the Champions Classic has thrown a wrench into the schedule for everything. So we're doing 11 personnel earlier. Um, if you were expecting to hear the KSR Football Podcast tonight, you can wait until Wednesday morning. You'll hear that uh, once the Champions Classic's over. You get your basketball fix in. Hopefully it's much better. That... Um, that first week of November last year, really, it was a kick in the groin. This year, it this year we don't have. Last year we had to worry about the CFP rankings too. Yeah. On top of all that going on. Mm-hmm. This year, I don't think Kentucky's gonna top, crack that top I, twenty-five. I don't think so. Um, but it was you had the Duke game, and then you lost epically. Then you lose to mm-hmm. Georgia. Was Georgia after the Duke game? I want yeah, to s- because Kentucky debuted at like yes, nine, right? Yeah, yeah in would, the rankings, right. they were top ten, right? So then they lose to Georgia right. and then Tennessee. So it was just well, this year is different because we got five Saturdays in November. Yeah. So usually it would have been last week would have been the first playoff ranking before the Champions Classic. Right, right, right. But right. this year, since we get an extra weekend in November, they're starting on the Champions Classic Tuesday. Gotcha, gotcha. So either way, though, it was really bad last year. It could potentially be really bad now, but we're gonna we're here to tell you it won't be bad, or will it? Uh, I give it about twenty five thirty percent chance that it could be bad. Okay. What, what we're talking about is potentially Mark Stoops heading to Tallahassee to hang out with Chief Osceola. Yes, which Chief Osceola best thing about Tallahassee? Never been there, but the guy I can't with a Im- Dalmatian horse. I can't imagine that it's a very nice place. Like, it's the panhandle without the beach, you know? And it's the state capital, not really a college town. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Taggart was fired. They took a $20 million dump just to get rid of him. And I didn't realize it, but they would have saved a million bucks just by waiting until the end of the year. Which, like, do you... I feel like you only do that if you know that you have, like... Like, I've got a guy that I've got to go get now before somebody else tries to get Or you're making a play for a guy that USC might also be interested in. Yes. And you're trying to get a jump start on them. Which we can get to those. Could be multiple guys. So we're going to start with that. Um, I have a post up on Kentucky Sports Radio that just kind of went into the mind of Stoops on like his kind of pros and cons. But we're going to take a little bit different angle. Up first, why would Florida State want Mark Stoops? So 
on all of the coaching candidate lists from Bruce Feldman to CBS Sports and Dennis Dodd to just pretty much everybody, they typically they start with the big splashy hires. Urban Meyer, Bob Stoops. Those are the two big ones. But most seem to think that that's not realistic. Are you in that boat? Yeah, I am. But now they're starting to seem like Bob Stoops might be picking up some steam. Ooh. It would be great if Bob was just like, Mark, you need to stay at Kentucky, buddy. Right. Because Bob, he middle of nowhere, he just retired at Oklahoma when they had it rolling, going into Baker Mayfield's senior season. Now, I don't know if that was kind of planned or if they he just kind of realized after 19 years, time to step aside because they had Lincoln Riley there who, who almost left for the Houston job, who was going to leave eventually. Maybe they just didn't want to lose him. So there might have been something – that maybe push him out. Who knows? But right. he, he came out and said, you know, that his dad died of a heart attack coaching around the same age. Mm-hmm. Which that's that story is really sad if you all mm-hmm. have ever. I know. I'm pretty sure Jen Smith told it in a story back in the day. But there is um, – there is that, that was a very sad story. It happened when Mark, I think, was in school. He was in college, I believe, like a freshman or sophomore in college. Yeah, so like he wasn't even there when it happened. Mm-hmm. Very sad. So anyway, that's what that was. He's, that's what he said, and then he – just took off. Didn't do media, which, by the way, Bob Stoops hates media. Oh. That's a big thing for him. He's I mean, not a big media guy. I, I found that hard to imagine. <laughs> so, it, so that so that happened, and so he takes time off. I've always thought, like, he's just waiting for, like, Notre Dame, mm-hmm. maybe Ohio State, Ohio State Open. They decided to promote from within. He had that uh, house in Chicago. Right. He yeah. had that big house in Chicago. And so he nothing happens, so he – joins XFL. He talks with Spurrier. Spurrier talks about how much he loved the AAF. For those that don't know, Bob Stoops was one-time decent coordinator for Spurrier right. in Florida. at Florida when they won the national championship. That, that's where he was before Oklahoma hired yeah. him. And Stoops isn't Spurrier's, as I mentioned to uh, my dad and Robin, that, uh, yeah, they vacation together still. Yeah, they're good buddies. Yeah. They are good Which buddies. Which would be a lot of fun to vacation with them, to be a fly on that beach. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some good stories being told <laughs> in their compound yes. on the beach. So anyway, he he's just kind of been hanging out. He showed up at Oklahoma games. He's been at all their big games, like their playoff games, cheering. They showed him in the press box when they beat Ohio State with Baker, cheering. Showed up to the Citrus Bowl for Kentucky last year, sporting mm-hmm. the U.K. visor. Yep. So now that, that seems like the pipe dream. Um, but there might be some more steam to it. So those are the two big guys, Urban Meyer and Bob Stoops. Yes. They're AD now, who Florida State's got a weird athletic director situation going on. Yeah, so do you know the details of it? Yes. Okay, please explain, because Bruce Feldman uh, alluded to it in his article, and they talked about just the president in general. Give us the scanning. Unfortunately, I don't know the names off the top of my head, but long story short, their their full-time AD left for a job in the NCAA to do something for the NCAA. That's not really a move you make. No one really wants to work for the NCAA. Right. So that caught a lot of some people by surprise. And he was the guy, I believe, that hired Taggart, and he just had been there for a little bit. So they promoted uh, this guy by the name of David Coburn, who was the interim AD. David Coburn was, like, involved in some type of state politics, did some stuff for the school. He's got, like, a triple major from Florida State. So just like this... Super duper Florida State guy. Yeah, pretty much. So he, they planned on him being just interim. Stan Wilcox was the original guy who left for the NCAA. <coughs> so they got six months goes by, and they can't hire an athletic director. No one wants to go there and take the job, pretty much, because Florida State has this situation where they're living in the 1980s <laughs> because they the booster department they have is separate from the athletic department entirely. And they have a booster president that they vote on, and that booster president has to approve kinda, funds or something like that. Kind of has a lot to do with where the money goes. Now they're in the process of the athletic department, I think, like absorbing that and taking it in where it's not a separate entity. Mm-hmm. But it was there for a long time, and that's a lot of the reasons. Like Florida State does not have a standalone football facility. They didn't get an indoor practice facility in 2013. Wow. The the stadium I think has just gone up. Got some renovations, but that was a long process Like to get those. Jimbo Fisher threw a hissy fit about why is Clemson getting all these you know, toys to play with, and I'm sitting here 
you know, trying to, you know, sell just Bobby Bowden's legacy, just kind of living in the past kind of things. So they, they're just really behind. This guy, Coburn, has no AD experience. This is his first real coaching search. Their president is a guy that, that's that's not supposed to be there in their realm. So the administration right now, the guy, whoever they hire, those guys aren't going to be who he's working for yeah, in yeah. two years. Mm-hmm. So the, they're, just, they're just really a mess right now. But at the same time, their conference is really a mess too. So outside of Clemson, yeah, you you can do. You should you be want. able to go in you there, work at Louisville, right? And now. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think so. That's a big piece of the equation. Um, I think there was also something. There's going to be a coaching search firm involved. So uh, yeah, they hired a uh, a firm, so a football scooper, to reported today to use your term. A lot of cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then they have they've admitted that. Their boosters are going to be involved, which was probably okay. Before this, let's rewind. They the last couple of weeks it came out that they were, you know, they wanted to fire Taggart, but they needed to come up with a buyout money. Yeah. So they got some boosters together, threw some money in a pot, and figured out that they they're going to be able to afford this, and then that's going to allow them to go out and get a new coach. Mm-hmm. And so now, now the they the AD in his press conference today said. That you know the booster is going to be involved in the hiring process. So right, you're going to have right. him. You're going to have the school president. You're going to have the boosters. I would assume it's a couple people involved, two, three, four, and now you're going to have a search firm. So there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Yes, there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and if they can't get this big splashy hire, then you fall to this next group of mm-hmm. coaches. So why would Florida State want Mark Stoops? Well, he has. He's been there before, so he has connection. He knows the area. He knows the climate. He knows how to succeed at Florida State and at Miami. Those are two places he spent three years apiece at each of them, won a national championship at one, set the team up for a national championship at the other. Uh, that that all lumps into recruiting. He's got the name recognition, and he's made Kentucky solid. And he, he's, he, he's got a proven track record of rebuilding in a difficult Power 5 league. But – on the flip side, the other guys that are kind of in the same air as Stoops right now, Mike Norvell, who if I actually had never seen him until college game day, just never put the face to the name, just like, yeah, this dude in Memphis has really got things rolling. Um, saw the picture of him with the cornrows at Arkansas mm-hmm. State on college game day. Um, and he's absolutely been lighting it up at Memphis. High-flying offense, absolutely crushing it right now. Uh, another name that's in the mix, P.J. Fleck. Row the boat. He's got the juice. He's got the sauce. 8-0 Minnesota hosting yeah. undefeated Penn State this weekend. I mean, that's Minnesota, folks, mm-hmm. the Golden Gophers. And he's done this twice. He did it at Western Michigan yeah. where he took a couple years to build. They run the table. They win the G5 bid, go to the New Year's Six, lose to Wisconsin, finish 13-1, gets the Minnesota job, kind of the same thing. And now they're in contention for that Big Ten West title. And they're 8-0 and in the top – whatever, top 12, top 10, and hosting Penn State for a huge game. So those are, I guess – Those the, are the three that the have next been thrown out there. That, that feel like the most realistic for uh, Florida State. And they aren't the sexiest names by no means. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of proven track record. You've got one really good year with Mark Stoops so far. This is, this is from the 10,000 – you know, I personally, I'm going to be biased. I think Mark Stoops is great. But – He's seven wins at Kentucky, average by considered by most. He had one good team. They had college football. And Florida players. State fans are going to see the one and six record against Florida. Yes, and the way he's lost some of those games too, that isn't really going to excite yeah, them. Exactly. That's that's going to be a big sticking point for them. Um, and just like overall record, like I think he's sub five hundred. Right. PJ Fle- is Fleck in his second year at Minnesota. Third? I think, I think it's third. third. Yeah, I think it's third. Uh, but he at least, did he win his New Year's Six game? No, they lost to Wisconsin, but they, they were did. undefeated. Okay. Um, but you have, I think you have a little bit more with him. Norvell is a little bit more up and coming. But the big thing is, and this is the reason why I'm most confident, Adam Luckett, that Mark Stoops won't be a priority for them and would be, I don't know if he would get to disrespectful on their list of candidates where Stoops would be like, all right, if you all are waiting this long to get to me, I'm not even going to bother. It's because of his style of play. The biggest complaint for Kentucky fans over the years might be the reason why he sticks around longer, and it's because Florida State, they want high-powered offense, and Mark Stoops, he's going to run the damn ball and play defense. 
Mark Stoops plays a Big Ten style football. He's at Kentucky. He's developed into a guy that wanted to run the air raid to turn it into a guy who recruits the Midwest, recruits Ohio really well, and plays kind of that style of football, which is shrink the game, play defense, strong special teams. Don't be afraid to win 13 to 10. Punt to win. Yeah. And, kind of and that's where this is, even though he checks a lot of the boxes, he's a square right. peg in a well, surround when you, hole. When you look at Norvell, he has really extensive um, – He's has Texas ties. Like he's come from Texas. He's never really had to recruit Florida. He was at Arizona State, then went to Memphis. His Memphis roster doesn't have a lot of Florida on it. You look at Fleck. He's been at Western Michigan. He's from the Midwest, like Stoops. He played at Northern Illinois. Was a MAC guy through and through. So he started at started at Northern Illinois. Play then was a GA at Ohio State under Tressel. Then went to Western Michigan. Now all, it's in Minnesota. All he is he's about as Big Ten as you can get right there. Yeah. So all these guys outside of Stoops, none of them really have that tie to the state. So when it if it came to an interview, Stoops is gonna have that sell. Be right. like, I've been here, I know what it takes to win here, I know what it takes to build the relationships to recruit here. And that's when you go into the mind of the A D slash booster slash cooks in the kitchen and ask him, All right, chefs, do you think that you what what ingredients do you prioritize? Do you think that just anybody can recruit down here, or do you have to have the? Because t- I think there's this this uh, conception that like, hey, you're Florida State, you can recruit in the state of Florida. Like, it, you can find an assistant somewhere that knows some guys that like you can just walk in the door and you have that logo on. That was the Joe Moorhead sell at Mississippi State. He had no ties to the South, no ties to Mississippi. It was a Matt Rule sale at Baylor. He had no ties to Texas. It's worked for Matt Rule. But they hired some assistants that did have ties to that state. And it's working for Rule. And if you just look at recruiting, it's worked better than most people thought it would for Moorhead. Mm-hmm. So when you're wearing that FSU logo, wearing the spear, mm-hmm. kind of recruits to itself. Right. And But at the same time, I think they have to be looking at recruiting needs to be kind of – the back burner here because like we just said recruiting figured itself out right Willie Taggart was you know supposed to be this ace recruiter and he his classes kind of stunk because they missed out on a lot of guys they missed out on a lot of big five star yeah and so they ended up I think their class was barely top 20 last year so they missed out a lot of their key targets and had to settle for other players when really there was probably some lower you know type four-star prospects they should have went after that they didn't and then by the time they lost out on the big fish it was too late to scoop up that second tier. So you had, I think what they're looking for is just a guy that's a proven head coach that's been through ups and downs, that's that's built a winner, that's been consistent. And if you're looking for a guy through ups and downs, Stoops has been through those. Yeah, he's, he checks that box. Right. So, but at the same time, this job is going to require the head guy to sell, sell, sell. Because the main reason they got out from under Taggart is because the fans are just They're over. done. They're done. The attendance has been god-awful. Oh, man, that Louisville game was sad. The Louisville game was sad. And then if you also just, like, listen to Willie Taggart talk, he did not instill confidence. In- he just he just seemed like he was in over his head the entire time. Which, by the way, that's the way that everybody's described Freddie Kitchens. Like, everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny, but it's true. Like, that's the perfect description for it. But to your point – Dan Mullen is putting up points, and he had success right away at Florida. Uh, Manny Diaz is, even though he's not great right away, he's got a swagger about him. He's got that. He's got SoFlo. The SoFlo kids like what Manny Diaz is putting out. They're, they're all, picking up they're, what he's putting out. They're all about recruiting too. So that's what he. That's what your guy has to compete with. Stoops not exactly a salesman. When he's up at the podium, not exactly a salesman. Which I think brings us to. What he's said today, and when you saw the, did you actually see his quote? Did you see the video, or did you just read the quotes? I haven't got time to watch the video. I was going to do that when I got home, but I have read all the quotes. You have read all the quotes. What your your impression of Stoops' response when asked about the allegations from yours truly, actually? Big J hat on. Today. I thought it was a very good. Answer for a guy who doesn't know what he wants to do yet. It's very, you know, 
this is good. It's better than the alternative because he knows it doesn't matter. He's he's still got to coach this season. So for him to get where he wants to get, he needs to beat Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So he's 100% focused on preparing this football team for Saturday and whatever happens will happen. His agent <laughs> is handling all that stuff right now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had conversations with Jimmy Sexton, his agent, who's the king tut of sports agents, coaching agents. And that's he's handling all that stuff right now. But what Stoops is worried about is getting a strong finish of the season. He's trying to get to eight and four, trying to get to a big bowl game. So I think his answer was just, just straight, just saying, just saying, I'm I'm hundred percent ready to be the coach here, and I'm not going to get into all that right now because there's not time for that. So the thing that I thought it he gave almost best case scenario answers. Uh, in previous times when kind of – and now, granted, he was much more prepared than some of the other times he's been put on the spot with stuff like this. Um, but he didn't stagger or stumble at any – in, in fact, he was very nonchalant, and he's like, it's kind of a good thing, right? You know, it, 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 it was it was one of those like hey, – No, he knows he's about to get paid either way. Yeah, it was like a, hey, people want me, res- respect this kind of thing. But also a um, – you know, we'll deal with it on the recruiting front, but it's nothing that we can't handle. It was very nonchalant, and it wasn't uh, flummoxed. Like, oh man, I, I'm I'm already halfway out the door. Like, it had a very like, it it was probably the coolest I've seen Stoops handle any of this media stuff under pressure thus far. Um, so it that should instill confidence in me if I'm a Kentucky fan. And the what he ended with, which. Uh, John Wong, who he gets some some crud for his questions. Sometimes they're off the wall. He's not afraid to ask questions. But he sure. he has one that I, it was very poignant. It was the last question of the press conference. He's like, "All right, Mark. So when you're, he's like, I'm not a head coach, which prompted Stoops to poke fun at him a little bit. But he was like, when I when you're thinking about being a head coach and your ideal destination where you're going to, I don't think he used the word retire, but what what do you prioritize or what do you hold in the highest regard? And Stoops, the way he said it was something along the lines of, with my perspective and my family as coaches, some jobs don't look the same to us as they do to you. And I think that brings in the big thing that is going to define this. It's that he has the name recognition, but he also has the lived experience of being in a place with high expectations. And Bob, Bob wins a national championship in year two, but he would still get heat if they didn't win 10 games. Now, can you handle those expectations, Mark? Do you want to handle those? Do you want to do that in Florida? So I think that's going to play. Like I'm glad he alluded to that because mm-hmm. up until that point, he hadn't really mentioned it. But I think that's a huge role in this entire decision-making process. And you, Kentucky has treated him well. They gave him a big extension when he had no really business he, getting one. Yeah, he really did. And at the time – He had like maybe six total wins. At like, the time, Mitch Barnhart got roasted for that. And I, you can't really say it wasn't deserved because at the time it was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. It was after the South Carolina win? Mm-hmm. I think, and so yeah, like, it was some. It was middle of the second year. Yeah, so he had. I like think s- after that they lost six in a row. Yeah, he had seven total wins in right. eighteen months, and it looked and he like got an looked like he copied Tom Jurich because that's exactly what Jurich did a couple years with Strong. Mm-hmm. But it ends up working out, and then he had this crazy good bonus structure where he gets all this money for reaching seven wins for for two or three wins in the SEC and all this other type stuff. So I think he knows that they've treated me really well here. And whatever I've asked for, I've gotten. It's like the football facility, the stadium upgrades. Yeah. Um, Everything he's asked for. Increased recruiting budget, the recruiting route in the stadium. So he, and now he's done a lot to get those things. I think what Stoops is good at is not necessarily like being the media salesperson, but behind closed doors yeah. when he has to talk to other rich people. I think he's good at that because he's got some guys here at Kentucky that really have never invested in football, kind of investing he's, in him. He's much more personable, too, when he's not like camera in his face. Mm-hmm. Just much more charismatic. Right. Um, but this goes back to why would he want to leave when he's built up that goodwill? 
at UK, and that's because you can win a national championship right. at Florida State. And at the end of the day, no matter what the situation, no matter what uh, how good Kentucky is and how bad Florida State is, at the end of the day, if Florida State wants Kentucky's coach in football, it's going to be hard to prevent that from happening if they truly want it, if they play their cards right. Because the geography isn't changing. There's still players in Orlando out the wazoo. There's still players in Tampa out the wazoo. There's still players in the Panhandle out the wazoo. And there's still players in South Georgia at the wazoo. And he's still wearing that spear. The Florida State coach is going to wear the spear, going to wear the Florida State logo. They still have all the pros that young people still know about. Dion is still Dion. Yeah. People still know who Dion Sanders years is. years later, yeah. Dalvin Cook is balling out in the NFL. People mm-hmm. can point to where he went to school. So they, they still have all that stuff. So at the end of the day, you like if you think, like, this is my shot, I might not get another one, even if the administration is is what we're talking about. You might have to take it. But do they get to him? That's, what, that's the point. Because I think it's clear right now that he is not Number one. at the top of their list. No, well, all. I wouldn't even put him in the first tier. Yeah, he's he's middle to bottom of the second yeah. tier, and he might. Yeah, he's. We don't even know if he's the top pick of the second tier. He might be the bottom pick of the second tier. He might be on the third tier. So, like, <coughs> when you're dealing with college football coaches, it's very ego driven. So when Stoops sees that he, he they're going after guys that are represented by his agent in front of him. It may be something like, you know, this ain't it. With the team I got coming back next year, we've talked about this 2020 team. Yeah. Well, the beginning of our podcast, that was one of the things we talked about heading into this year is how excited we are for 2020, even though 2019 sets up to be really good. He, he brought it up today when talking about getting a six-year for big snack, Phil Hoskins. Right. He was like, be great because during the bye week, we were looking at that roster. Woo, it's looking good. 19 seniors, 18 juniors, redshirted an entire freshman class, best recruiting class ever. It's good that that's on the front of his mind because that was a part of his normal coaching and recruiting duties during the bye week. Um, But before we get ahead of ourselves, the big reason why, like you said, Stoops is 52 years old. Mm -hmm. Not getting any younger. He's got, what, three more years maybe where he can make one more big leap and try to get that national championship? I, it's, I think it's this window. He won the 10 games, all right? That put him on put him on a different kind of level where people are like, oh, this guy won 10 games at Kentucky. Now he's got this window here where he needs to cash in to have some real good seasons, layer them on top of each other, and then then that's when you make the move. If you don't make the move – think you say to yourself, well, I can just be a legend here. I can win the, be the all-time winningest coach of this program, mm-hmm. be, you know, be Mark king Stoop, of football at Kentucky. Stadium. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know if you mentioned this to me in private or publicly, but after next year, I think, like, at least timing's on Kentucky's side. Because if this is the middle of the 2020 season, Kentucky's probably got one loss at this point. You're looking at another, like – It's a team in the top 25 more than likely. Looking at the New Year's Six. And then – the other programs, like, they don't even have to sell Stoops. They're like, yeah, it's style of play, but, dude, he's freaking making out like gangbusters. Right. We'll do whatever we mm-hmm. got to do to get him. So Right now, it's still like you can – people can write it off last year as a fluke. You get two uh, – if you do two out of three years where you're winning ten games at Kentucky and your bridge year you had a freaking receiver at quarterback and he still won seven or eight games. That's and you lost – you know, you lost your, your quarterback in the second game of the season. Yeah. And, and then you look back on – the schedule and be like, well, if they would have had him, yeah, they might have been right there again. Exactly, and I so I think that at least timing is on Kentucky's side. But the one stat that's just it's it's just staring me right in the eye. Spurrier was the last person to bring a national title to, to a first time champion in mm-hmm. college football. This is 1996. Oregon's come close a couple times. Oregon came close. Wisconsin. Has been on the fringe. They just get they just get stuck in that Rose Bowl. They always trip over their own feet. Big dumb, sloppy, stupid feet down the stretch. But those are really the only two programs that are even like remotely close. Yeah, I would even say Wisconsin's not even that close because they just don't get the recruiting star power that I think you have to have. Yeah. So that stat by itself, if you want to win a championship, if that's Mark Stoops' ultimate career goal, if he has the little brother in him that wants to catch up with big brother Bob. 
he's going to have to make a move eventually. I don't know if the timing and everything works out perfectly in this scenario, and that benefits Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Now, the, we, we, we didn't mention the reasons why he would want to go back to Kentucky. I think, I think we've hit on a lot of them, though, throughout this, and that's A, that administration, you do not, you do not want to get stuck working for a boss where he's not your guy. Um, I mean, Tom Jurich might have given Petrino another year. Vince Tyree wasn't messing around with Bobby. That wasn't his guy. He's going to move on. There's so many instances of this. I mean, you look at GMs in the NFL. It's even with their quarterbacks. Like, they, your legacy is determined by if that's your guy or not. That's why Mike Leach didn't end up at Tennessee is because they fired Kurt John Curry, the mm-hmm. AD. Right. The most important thing an AD can do or will do is fire a football, hire and fire a football coach. Yeah, and if this is a guy who's not going to be there, you know, like that's that's tough. Another big reason why he might want to stay too is that if you are thinking financially at all, like Taggart was making a two hundred fifty more thousand dollars mm-hmm. this year. Money will not matter in this decision. You leave because you think you can go win a national championship at Florida State. <coughs> Money will. Kentucky's going to match whatever they want, just like Purdue matched everything. Jeff Brom got mm-hmm. last year with Louisville. The money didn't matter in that decision either. He stayed where he was most comfortable with. And, and in this decision, it's that's what's going to matter. It's not going to be money. Money won't be an issue. He's He leaves because he believes that this is his shot at the big time. Florida State, this right now is going to be the best shot he's going to get, and he wants to go take a swing at it with the big boys. He wants to coach with Dan Mullen. Let's face it, Kentucky's not on an even play even field with Florida. No, it's great. He wants, to, he wants to coach on an even playing field against Dan Mullen. He wants to take a swing at Dabo and what he's building at Clemson. He wants to try to crack that upper echelon to, to prove his worth as a head coach, to prove to finally break out of his big brother's shadow completely. Yeah, and that was there was one thing we kind of uh, dabbled on when talking about his, not envy for Muschamp, but his like resentment towards him. Because Muschamp has been afforded all these opportunities, and Stoops really hasn't gotten them mm-hmm. for no real reason, one way or the other. But Stoops has had plenty of success, but they the, the opportunities haven't come knocking for him. Maybe this is his shot. And I think when you're at Kentucky right now, you're just hoping that uh, shaky administration at Florida State doesn't like you're you're hoping they don't screw this up and fall down the pecking order quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also we're in a weird situation too, where like if this thing drags out, if Kentucky doesn't do well, do they still want to go to Stoops? You know what I mean? Like it's almost like the the better off they are, the more that Florida State will want him. Right? Kind of, kind of oh, funny. Yeah. Now for this season, yeah, you just can't worry about this. This thing's going on, but we all need to be focused on going out and kicking Tennessee's ass this weekend. Yeah, that's the spirit, and that's. Actually, before we completely move on to Tennessee, I want to ask you. So, Stoops leaves. uh, He beats Louisville, finished an 8-4 regular season, gets Gatorade cooler, uh, announces. We we find out the day after Stoops is in Tallahassee. They're going to have a press conference on Monday to announce him as the head coach. Who's the first call Mitch Barnhart's making? Neil Brown. Even after only a year? Mm -hmm. You have to. You have to. You have to. You have to. You have to make Neil Brown say no, I think. If you get there and you get pushed back where it's not going to happen, then you're looking at Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. But if Michigan State opens, he's probably going to go to Michigan State over Kentucky because he's Big Ten through and through. He's never left the Big Ten. So the the reason why I like the Fickle name, and it's not, not a shot against Neil Brown, but you've got this thing set up where it's – Mm-hmm. It's a style thing for me. Like you've got the defense and running game set up. You know, you I, I, I want to get a defensive guy to keep the ship afloat, to right. keep this thing going, at least to steady it, and until they can kind of get their feet well, grounded. My thing, even bigger than that, is recruiting Ohio. Stoops has built a pipeline. It's something Kentucky's never had, and they, they should have had. Now they have it. They need to keep it going. So when I look at when I further down the line, like Alex Grinch, who's the defensive coordinator. At Ohio State. Mm-hmm. He's from Ohio, played at Mountain Union, was like this D3 powerhouse where Matt Campbell played, Toledo head coach Jason Candle played. And so he he played there, and then he got into coaching, was a G8 Missouri under Pinkle, then later became an assistant 
at Missouri under Pinkle when they were in the SEC. So he's got SEC experience. He went out and was Mike Leach's coordinator at Washington State, did a good job. Then got a year of trading at Ohio State under Urban Meyer, so around a big program in Ohio. And now he's at Oklahoma running the show for for a big-time program. So it's kind of the same things. I think he checks some boxes that I want to be checked for the next head coach Defense who the next head coach should be. Ohio. Right. Which in this, this And this guy by all accounts and purposes, like Grinch is like applauded for being smart, being kind of analytical driven. And how great would it be to have a student section just wearing Grinch costumes too? That too. It's got the and it's a good football name. Grinch good, is a good, good football branding. name. Yeah. So those those add up and that's why I think the Neil Brown, like, it's it's such an outlier and it's kind of a risk. So I, I don't know. That, that This is where it gets tough, but, but we can – That's just how th- I think of Neil Brown as a football coach. And just the Kentucky ties, mm-hmm. like you you have to go after it full bore, I think. It'd be, a, be a, it'd be a wild time. But you know what? We don't have to cross that bridge until we get to it. And hopefully we don't have to get to it. Bob Stoops, go ahead and let Mark stay in Lexington. Hopefully we're, hopefully we're co- covering a coaching search when we're approaching 40. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was when when all the people were sending off their hot takes on Sunday. I was like, God, I do not have the energy for a coaching search right now. I just want to like enjoy the last. Like this is for all intents and purposes. Even though there's been more losses, it's been a fairly enjoyable football season because expectations have been. Well, it's been so weird. Yeah, like you, you just don't know what to expect from week gotta, to week. You just gotta hop on for the ride mm-hmm. and buckle in. You hope that Kentucky is still riding high, hasn't lost any momentum after an exceptional three-week stretch in the middle of the season that was really what it, – it got back on track. It got back to where we thought they were going to be going into the season, and now you play a Tennessee team that's about where we thought going into the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the exception that who knows what the hell's going on with our quarterbacks. Do you know? Do you have any clue what the hell Jeremy Pruitt's doing with those guys? Jared Garantano has quickly – Fallen into the ire of that coaching staff. He's like Steven Garcia. Yes, that's a very good comparison. My goodness, where it's just like a love-hate, damn it, get on the sideline. Yes, that's a great comparison, <laughs> Nick Roush. Oh, you're welcome. So anyway, he he did some things in the first game where I thought he played well at times, but they had to replace him because, they, were, for lack of a better term, he was just pissing the hell out of the coaching staff. <laughs> so they go to this freshman, Brian Mar, Mauer, Mauer. I think I'm guessing. So anyway, it's a Mar. Three star kid from Florida, true freshman. They put him in the Florida game, stinks it up, and then they stick with him. He's a starter in their Mississippi State win, but he goes out with a concussion in that win, and then Guarantano comes in and pl- plays the rest of the game, and then they try to go back to Mauer, and he gets hurt again, another concussion. So then they go back to Guarantano, and then they give uh, JT Shrout their Redshirt freshman, third stringer, a chance because Warrantano okay. <laughs> <laughs> goes cowboy with a QB sneak on a gap scheme run. <laughs> oh man, that that's still we watched that down in Georgia, and I don't think we real like we didn't know what was happening right away, but it was just hilarious to watch like the implosion live. Right, oh, just, uh, brings a smile to my face. And the quarterback, he did not want to. Get off the field. <laughs> he was walking slowly back to that sideline. Oh, man. You know what? P- people that were mad, like, I would – people that were mad at the way Jeremy Pruitt handled that situation, I'd be more angry he didn't smack him harder. <laughs> like, you, Jared, what are you doing? You know buddy? he wanted to. Oh, yeah. He wanted to beat the hell out of him. Um, but la- – so against UAB, both played. Shroud and Garantano played. Yeah, Garantano played the, the line share of the game. And then they just threw in Trout in the second half. Mm-hmm. Now, with Garantano, they thought he wasn't going to play because in the game against South Carolina, he got knocked out in, the, I believe, the third quarter. He broke a bone in his non-throwing hand. So, so he's, he's wearing a cast on his, like, on his left hand. Ball security. Right. That dual-threat quarterback. Mm-hmm. Not, probably not going under center and taking any more quarterback sneaks. Right. <laughs> but all of these quarterbacks are straight-up pocket passers, statues in the pocket, not going to move around a lot. So you don't have to worry about that quarterback run element. And when you get them in third long, obvious passing downs, the pass rush is going to be able to tee off. Then when you look at their offensive line, they're starting two true freshmen at left tackle and right tackle. They have been okay in the run game. 
those guys have really struggled in pass pro, especially in, you know, isolation type situations. And what this offense does best is throw the ball. They cannot run the football again. They're, I believe they're last in the SEC in yards per carry. None of their backs are really – they don't have bruisers. They're all kind of small, 5'10", 5'11", 200-pound type backs. They play three. Ty Chandler, who's been there a while, he's a junior. Yeah, he's at, he, he's like their – he's a Rico Dowdle who like, – Now, Ty Chandler, he has some juice. Like, when he gets out in the open field, he can make some things happen, but – Yeah, but he's not anything too scary. Right. And then Tim Jordan, who's two yards in a cloud of dust pretty much, number nine. And then they got a freshman, Eric Gray, four-star – who they were expecting, I think, more out of. He just hasn't um, given to them. He, I think he hot, start, started hot, but he kind of hit that wall, kind of like I think Cavassier Smoke is hitting, uh-huh. where he's just kind of struggling. So they can't really run the ball, but what they really do have is a weapon in Jawan Jennings. Mm-hmm. He's a 6'3", 220-pound receiver. They play in the slot. He's a stud. He's the best receiver probably in this conference, not on Alabama or LSU. Uh... So he's going to be a tough matchup. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Florida's got some good ones, but they're more by committee. Than, right. Yeah. Um, but on the count- counterpoint, Adam Luckett, Kentucky's pass defense, third in the SEC. Mm-hmm. They're only giving up 180 yards a game. Let me check and see what that is nationally. And this uh, Jennings, he's got like 43 touchdowns. Or not touchdowns, 43 catches, 43 touchdowns be a lot. 14th in the country in UK's pass mm-hmm. defense. That's the, crazy. The next closest receiver for Tennessee has like 18 receptions. <laughs> <laughs> so they are force feeding this guy. They put him in wildcat. They're getting the ball as much as possible. So matching up with him is going to be a big deal. You know they're putting him in the slot, so that means Kentucky's nickel, which <sighs> had issue with all season. So I would expect them to play a lot of zone coverage on Saturday to do that kind of dink and dunk defense, giving them something, just not giving up big plays. Yeah. But to do that, you have to be able to stop the front, the run with your front and your two inside backers. Play a lot of base. But the good thing is Tennessee, the can't, Tennessee can't really run the ball. Yeah. So the thing I'm looking for in this game is for Kentucky's front to really bow up and stop the run without getting much help. Similar to what they did in Florida. In the Florida game, it's kind of going to be the same game plan. It's to stop the run while you're in zone coverage and then just to make that – to make Garantano, to make Meyer – or to make J.T. Shrout dink and dunk their Com- way down the field. Yeah. Complete six-yard passes. Right. And Kentucky, let's face it, Kentucky hasn't had an interception in, since the Mississippi State game. They're due. They are due to get not just one, maybe a couple interceptions. And right now, the way that Jamari Brown attacks in the open field and tackle, Jamari Brown and Brandon Eccles have turned into outstanding right. open field tacklers. Mm-hmm. But the interceptions, I feel like they're going to have to come from the safeties or the linebackers. Yeah, quarter. When, because when you're in zone coverage, making throws over the middle, closing those windows, that's where Kentucky's going to make some plays in this game, I, I feel like. So my question to you, Cash Daniels is going to be back. Mm-hmm. Do you ride with Cash, or do you say, hey, Chris Oates, you were pretty awesome last week. You want to do that again? Cash, you want to watch him do it again? I think at the end of the day, Cash is your senior captain. Like, he's the leader of the defense still. I think you still play him, but – you get it as much 50-50 as possible with Oates. Yeah. And you have to have Chris Oates out there a lot. I think he's going to play at Will. Especially play at Mike. early downs. You can, have, you, well, you can let Cash play early downs. Right. And, then, and yeah. obvious run downs. But once they get into some passing situations, you need to get 22 out on the field. And perhaps Cash can be much more competent in the red zone, which, correct me if I'm wrong, Tennessee doesn't know how to score touchdowns when they get in the red zone? Tennessee – is a hundredth and twenty sixth, I believe, <laughs> in red zone touchdown rate. <laughs> Let me pull it up right quick, which is um, pretty bad. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! They are one hundred twenty six. Yes, this is the only percentage. Yeah, yes, one hundred twenty six. <laughs> the only Power Five teams worse than them. Guess. I'll give. Let, let, let's oh, see if you can guess. I, I, I pulled it up. Oh, because okay. I, I was one of them. I would have. I would have guessed Rutgers. Right. Yeah. I would not have guessed. Old no. Old Dominion's one spot better than. Them. Wouldn't have guessed Old Dominion, Nevada, Northwestern. I could have. God. That's what I was asking. The two Power Five. God. Opat Fitzgerald putting up nine point seven five points per Jesus, game this season. Dude, what the hell is going on there? Hey, but Big Ten West, <laughs> Nebraska, get the hell out of yeah, here, man. Scott Frost. You and your damn hoodies. Get them out of here. 
I don't. Uh, I love watching them just suck. I love it, especially. I mean, hell, Jeff was on his third quarterback. I know. He was on his third quarterback, and Nebraska still couldn't stop him. You suck, Scott. Big Frost. tight end had about fifteen <laughs> catches. Dude, Hopkins is a beast. Yeah, he's only a sophomore, I think. Is he? He's young. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's he's an absolute beast. Hey, producer, they had Jack Palmer a year or two. They're gonna be good next year. You, you, what, you, they, watch they've been just fight. they've been just seized by injuries. I know, man. They lost that linebacker too. Mm-hmm. Use your best linebacker, your quarterback, and Rondell for half the year. Like you're right. just what, what are you gonna do? Uh, while we're on, they gotta get a running back though. Yeah, they got that dude that wants to be Mike Allstott. Right. They, they, yeah, he needs, he definitely needs to go find he, him a running back. He's white and wears number 40, but he can't run anybody mm-hmm. over. Right. He's not fast. Mm-hmm. He's not an athlete. <laughs> like, he's terrible. Um, while we're, I, I'm just thinking of local connections, shout out to the Toy Bowl champs this week. Um, I can't keep up with who they are, though, because all the schools the combinations. have merged. Yeah, they've all merged, which it's sad, and folks – uh, the Louisville Catholic School Football League used to have at least 24 teams, and now they're down to eight, and that's in 10 years. Football numbers at youth level are way down. Mm-hmm. We're not going to see it at the big-time level for a while, but like D3 programs, they're shutting them down. They're shutting down a lot of them because kids just aren't playing football like they used to. It's mm-hmm. sad. It sucks, but that's something that when we're doing this podcast and we're 60, we're going to be That's like, something I think may – change down the line if they can figure It'd out come some back safety around. stuff yeah 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 i think people overreact to stuff yeah my kid my kid's gonna play football as I long think, as it's a boy i think not a girl yeah you ain't playing football if you're a girl when some of our when our kids probably get a Unless little older kick, she could kick yeah but i think football might become a little more popular again yeah, better be make I football think, great again i think maybe starting playing it a little later mm-hmm. maybe wait until kids are in middle school seventh eighth grade mm-hmm yeah, that, that that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. And that's what Castle, they've, they've done fifth and sixth grade. Middle school and up. Right. That's what you need. Right. Figure out how to tackle and block then, and you're good. Uh, another big shout-out to Mayo beating Manuel. May, I, more of a shout-out to Manuel for putting them on the ropes. Mayo's ranked 15th in the country. they got Isaiah Cummings. They, for some reason, Mayo completely that's, took the air out of the ball. That's I don't, what Chris Wolf does. He just he gets scared and he just runs it? Well, I think he just kind of plays it close to the vest when he knows that he's going to win a game. Yeah, well, it like, took him to When go. they play Trinity, they unleash Cummings. Like, when they yeah. played St. X, they unleash Cummings. When, when they're playing some other teams, they just kind of – Piddle fart around. Yeah, well, even against St. X, they kind of used Cummings as like a decoy. They were hitting him at tight end. He was blocking in line. Yeah, this is really bizarre. That's just kind of how they roll. But they were down 14 nothing to Manuel mm-hmm. and needed a field goal with three minutes left to take the lead. Um, ultimately, ended up beating Manuel by one. Uh, there was another uh, – Douglas beat Bo Allen. The fighting Bo Allen's Lexington Catholic. That's just mm-hmm. what I'm going to call them because they're, they're down a little bit. Playoffs are starting this week. Uh, the first two rounds stink. Get rid of them. KHSAA, stop it. Ooh, we need money. Suck it. Get rid of the first round. It's completely stupid. It's irrelevant. You're wasting people's time. Just bl- and now they're not even crossing districts for the first two rounds. So you're just playing teams you've already played. It's stupid. Absolutely asinine. Drives me crazy. Um, but second round games should be decent. Uh, and they're also aren't they like reseeding teams once they get to the regional? After 12 games? Yeah, they have like an RPI now. It's, it's insane. I, well, it is absolute insanity. I don't know what they're doing, but good luck trying to keep up with that. We'll keep you posted on who's playing when on KSR, especially in those uh, those morning posts, Friday and Saturday. But um, things are getting a little hectic. November football, um, and I just completely got off the rails there for a second. <laughs> I don't really know why. Uh, which, speaking of off the rails, Mike Norvell, off the rails. That was a crazy-ass game. Uh, cocktail party. Got a little bit crazy, but Georgia just handled them the entire game. Georgia's defense we talked about. The biggest thing I took away from that game was how fast that defense was and how much it was a team defense on every level, from depth to linemen to linebackers to secondary players all pulling their weight. And you saw it on Saturday. They pretty much dominated that game from start to finish. And that, that, that was the biggest thing I came away with was how good they are and then how excited I am to see that group go up against either Tua or Burrow, the two best offenses, two of the best offenses in the country, playing one of them in the SEC title game. I think that's going to be awesome kind of chess match. And good for Jake Fromm, man. Stepped up to the plate and made some ball plays. You know what got me really excited, though, about this one? Is I don't think Florida could have done it, 
But I think, like you said, when you talk about their defense matching up with those other guys, I want the three at one loss SEC team college football playoff scenario. I want it so bad yeah. just to piss off the rest of the country. I'll tell you what, if Auburn beats Georgia and Georgia enters that SEC title game at 10-2 and two, and they beat, let's say, LSU – and that might knock LS. That might knock Alabama out at thir- to twelve and one, and it could. It would probably, you know, Georgia wouldn't get either. So SEC would go from getting two to one in. I wonder in the league office if they've been like, it's time to fix this damn scheduling. So you're saying that in that scenario, Georgia would get in or LSU would only get in? LSU like, would get in. They'd be undefeated, and then they would get the one loss, but still get in. in. Georgia would be out. And huh. and that would maybe that would possibly knock Alabama out if they, yeah. they went from having two teams to just having one and then the one get in would be maybe the four seed having to play Ohio State. Yeah, then we go to the, ooh Joe Burrow rematch though. Right, but it I'm I could be I, I could be open for the pod scheduling because Kentucky it would uh, Mississippi State would be the regular. Yeah, if you, if you did it for Kentucky, it'd be Mississippi State, Vandy, and Missouri. Yeah, yeah, because which those teams kind of suck as your regular. But rivals. that's who you want. That's who you want to play every year yeah. because Tennessee has to play Florida. They have to play <coughs> Alabama. Alabama. Then they need to play Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's their three. Florida needs to play Georgia, the cocktail party. They need to play Tennessee, and they probably need to play LSU. LSU. Yeah, and so you go on down the line. Auburn's then, Georgia, Alabama, and LSU. Be Georgia, Alabama, and then I think how they would probably be A and M or somebody Just like that. Just have to get somebody because different. LSU would have to play Ole Miss because they've been playing for a long time. Years, yeah, but either way, the pod scheduling would be fun. Just from a, it's a real conference at that point because is it really a conference if you can go to school for four years and not play every team? No, like that's it's hogwash mm-hmm. what it is. So that scenario, while it would be fun, I'm all for the three SEC teams potentially getting in, even though. It wouldn't be the best for, um, not parity's sake, but like it moves Kentucky up that bowl ladder, right? And I, I would but at love the same time, on, if we want to day. get to Atlanta, need to do it fast because they're going to scratch divisions and it's going to become yeah. top two teams. So that's why I'm saying three, mm-hmm. three one loss teams get them all in. Yep, and then Kentucky next year. <laughs> Beats Georgia because who's who's Georgia's? They got some five star that's gonna be a true freshman next year, right? No, they actually they do have like a high four star kid, but he's not like. Next year's the year, folks. But it scares me. Stoops around. Next year's the year. Jake Fromm screams, "Guy, come back to college, though." Right, you're so right. (laughs) Just a good old boy wearing his. I I, I fully expect him to be at Georgia next year. God, it would be awful. He runs off all the five stars. He's like, you know what, Kirby. I lift. I, I I chased away so many good quarterbacks. I'm gonna stick around one more year. And for then him. then it allows Kirby an extra year to get somebody. You know what though? Those, those other guys don't scare me too much. Harry Harryin or whatever, he's fine, but he's not DeAndre Swift. Like just give him the ball and let him mm-hmm. do work. How I'm? Were you surprised that Cully took the gloves off and let Fromm throw it on that third down late in the game? No, because. They just had a hard time running against that Florida front. I, I, the way that their fans though have been kind of leaning into that point, like you, you almost expected him to just be like, "All right, take the clock off, let your defense go win the football game." But said he was like, "Damn it, I got this guy Jake from. I'm gonna let him rip it," and he freaking dropped it in the bucket. That was a hell of a play. When Georgia is aggressive and they come out and throw the ball, they're really good on offense. It's just. Meaning, they just don't want to be aggressive. Yeah, Kirby wants to sit on it as much as possible. He wants games to end in two hours and thirty minutes. Hey, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, which, all right, what's happening in LSU Alabama Saturday? I really like the matchup for Alabama before the Tua situation. Tua's going to play though, right? He's going to play, but how healthy is he going to be? And then LSU, one of their starting linebackers, just was kicked off the team pretty much. Really? Got announced today, Michael Divinity. So, the weakest unit in the game is by far LSU's defense. Yeah, that's where like you're getting into a shootout situation, and in that case, I typically say, "Well, it goes to the passing game." Joe Burrow, I, I would take Joe Burrow right now in this offense versus Tua. I know I'm not talking NFL draft or anything like that, but the Alabama's receivers are just crazy good. 
And mm-hmm. like I, I just I give that that's where the real big advantage is. I just have a hunch that Saban had a week to prepare. He's been looking at this defense all or not excuse me, defense, this offense all season. I just think he's gonna have something ready to go. Uh, Auburn kind of provided a blueprint in that LSU game where they were they were running a, a pretty much I think they called it a three one seven where they were having seven defensive backs on the field. It's kind of what the Chargers did to the Ravens and Lamar Jackson last year in the playoffs, where they were just loading up with safeties and just daring you to run the ball and daring you, you know, just not giving you anything other than short dink and dunk in the pass game. Mm-hmm. And that's LSU had success. They they drove down and scored, but it was slow, methodical drives. It wasn't big plays. And so if he's able to do that, then on the other side, Alabama should be able to take advantage of of what is a weak LSU defense, I believe. Uh, but but can, is Alabama good enough on defense, especially up front? Because they're not as good as Alabama's or excuse me, Auburn's defensive line. So I don't really know. But if you made me make a play in that game, I would say take the under, just because everybody's going to be jumping on that over, just to be just because it's fun. Yeah, you know, I'm sure it's just crazy. Just zig when everybody else is zagging. I'm sure it's a crazy number too. Um, it's like 65, 66, I think. I'm happy that Kentucky is the late night game, so oh, we yeah. can watch that. I'm excited for this weather. Is Penn State, Minnesota, Big Noon? It's a nooner. No, it's on ABC, but... But it is a nooner. Mm-hmm. So, Big Noon, ABC. It's going to be cold up there. Game time temperature, I believe, 21, 22 degrees. So... Some wind in Minneapolis. Oh, man. Those get... It, whenever I think of cold Minneapolis, I think 11 a.m. local kick. I think of Blair Walsh shanking it and pulling it left. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Um, what, what's temperature going to be at the Krogue Friday or Saturday night? Looking at game time temperature around 38 degrees, oh. four to five mile an hour winds. You're going to be seeing your breath. Well, as long as the wind isn't bad. Yeah. It's fun to put on some My kind of weather. Tailgate, it, I think the high there, it's low 50s that day. It's going to be sunny, though, so it'll probably feel a little warmer than it is during the day. But once that sun goes down, it's really going to drop. What? Oh, ultimately, what does Kentucky have to do? Well, to beat this Tennessee team, what has to go right? On offense, they need to convert third downs. Tennessee is a bad third down defense. Tennessee's defense is really good. They have three guys, one at safety, Nigel Warrior, one at middle linebacker, Daniel Batuli. Yeah, Batuli's been there forever. Mm-hmm. And then outside linebacker, uh, Daryl Taylor, who's a pretty good pass rusher. All those guys are going to get drafted. They have a they have a couple of true freshmen, one Henry Toto at Will linebacker are both going to be future stars. They are really good. They're playing really hard. The similar scheme as Kentucky. They're doing some really good things, but they're bad on third down. So Kentucky has to convert on third down. We talked about Tennessee's red zone issues, red zone defense, just like Arkansas. Bad red zone offense. Kentucky got stops in the red zone. When Tennessee gets down there, because like we said earlier, I think they're going to play a def- they're not going to be super aggressive, as aggressive, I think, as they were against Missouri. They're going to yeah. be more kind of dink and dunk because the weather's not going to be as bad for one, and then they're just going to wait for that quarterback to make mistakes. Right. So when they get in the red zone, get stops. And finally, uh, the turnover battle. Need to win it. It's about time Kentucky won it. They need to take advantage, steal some possessions in this game. And, but at the end of the day, it's going to be a field position game. Kentucky has a huge advantage at punter, but Tennessee has a huge advantage at kicker. Brett's Zamaglia is the all-time leader in made field goal percentage at Tennessee. It's pretty good. He can hit from 50 out. He's pretty automatic from 40 in. So I think he leads the SEC in max. I believe he's like 17 or 18 for 20 on the season, field goal-wise. So field, for horse, forcing field goals going to be big. And for Kentucky, finish, you know, obviously finishing drives and winning the field position game with Max Duffy and flipping the field and taking advantage of if when you get the short fields. Um, but it's going to be a slugfest. This is going to be a four-quarter, knock them, drag them out. Some, the winning team's probably going to score 20 points, and the losing team's probably going to be in the you know mid to low teens. Yeah. Um, for me, a lot of this comes down to did you keep your momentum from the bot week? Because we've seen Mark Stoops' teams in the past come out struggling – in this kind of situation, especially against the University of Tennessee. And I just – got to start hot. They did it the last three games. Uh, I mean, 
Not really against Arkansas. When are we going to score on the? When are we going to see Kentucky score on the opening drive? On their opening drive, haven't seen it yet. Has it happened at all this Mm-mm. year? We need to see. They it. finally scored first against Missouri, but mm-hmm. Kentucky needs to start strong. They need to continue to carry over that momentum from last week. And if if I see that, I will be much more confident about the Cats' chances. I'm with you though in that unless. Lynn Bowden's busting like I, I the the two playmakers for each team. Unless they're busting big plays, it's going to be a low scoring game. The best thing Tennessee does is big play prevention on defense. They just don't give up big plays. And you look at their biggest weakness outside of that third down. It's been the passing defense. Now they rush the passer really well, which is going to be negated with Bowden, right? Obviously, but they're not going to give up big plays. So when Bowden gets runs, they're going to be you know ten, twelve, six, seven, not the big chunks we've seen. But one thing Tennessee does do is they give up paper cuts. And what I mean by that, they give up 10, 13-yard runs, 16-yard runs, 8-yard runs. That's where Kentucky's backs have to come up big this week. They have struggled. And Kentucky's rush offense, they're one step away from being filthy, and that's getting running back production. They need their backs to come through big this week. RB1, Kentucky finally stopped an RB1 on Mm -hmm. defense. Time for the offensive RB. Kentucky should smother Tennessee's run game. They need to hammer Tennessee with their run game. Mark Stoops, thirty-three and seven when he mm-hmm. runs the damn ball. And if they and get, if they, the if they get, you know, it doesn't matter who. If they get one of those backs going, rolling, they're going to be in really good shape on Saturday. This has been fun, look it. Yes, it has. I think this is a pretty productive conversation. I think, as far as the coaching stuff goes, that you know, we didn't panic people. But we, you know, we we were we played reality check. We're in the infant stages of the coaching. Who knows? They might have a coach by the time we get off here and head home. Man, that'd be pretty hilarious. <laughs> we just wasted all this time for it. Um, and that's what you can hope for if you're a Kentucky fan. Um, but in the meantime, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you'll be there getting rowdy Saturday night. It's regardless of all the off the field stuff. It has. Uh, this is this is a big game. I'm excited about this game. I can tell. I really am excited about you, this game. You got like a I want to go punch him in the face kind of look about yeah. yourself right now. I hate Tennessee. Well, it just the season sets up where you can really finish strong. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, we can react however we want to react. Whatever happened in the first seven games, it's fine. But at the end of the day, this season was always going to be determined a success or a failure what happened in the last five games. They got off to a great start by pulling the upset over Missouri and kicking their butt mm-hmm. up and down the field. And now you get a bye week. Tennessee's playing their sixth game in a row without a bye. Five have been against SEC competition. So you're going to have the fresh legs in this game. And you're going to be at home in front of your crowd. And you're going to have a chance to deliver a big win, especially the motivation factor. Kentucky lost to Tennessee last year. They knew in that locker room they had no business losing that game. And I know that's what the coaching staff is telling them all week. You let – that team beat you last year when you had no business losing to yeah. them. So let's go out and see what you got. And I think they're going to have some fun Limboden passes. They've had a couple weeks to scheme something up, and you know Tennessee is going to come out and be be willing to give up some stuff in the past game. I also think that the not just the the, the motivational uh, factor of like look what they did to you last year. But I'm so mad right now. Like I was trying to stall, but I had a good point, and it just completely just – hate when that happens. Oh, my gosh. It was something I really wanted to say, too. It wasn't a limbo passing. Uh, anger. Oh, Mark Stoops hasn't been good against Tennessee. Nope. He's only got one win against him. But on the flip side, Muschamp had been great against Tennessee. Tennessee reversed that favor. Time to reverse that the other way around. Yes, it is. Time to reverse the other way around. Time for Stoops to get a second dub, get a big one against the Vols, and finish strong. Finish on a nice little five-game win streak. Nice little heater. Right. You forget about those South Carolina and Mississippi State losses pretty quickly if you beat two of your rivals and finish five. You got one. Now you need to get downhill. To get downhill, you get two. Once you get two, then you can start rolling. And we're going to be rolling Saturday night. See you at Kroger Field. Go Cats. Go Kroger.